The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nick Ferguson, second Dairy perspective. Ebony and Ivory, as we like to call ourselves. I'm Nick Ferguson. As I said, you can follow me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. And my dynamic duo sidekick, that would be Mario Batanzi. You can find him at Mile High Mario. Mario, last week was Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but uh, that was kind of a cheat day for myself. And right after that, I started doing abs immediately. Uh, how did you spend your Thanksgiving holiday before we jump into some of these hot topics? Uh, you know what? I went and I played football in the morning, to played a little turkey bowl, uh, went home, watched football, went over to the family house, uh, ate some food and watched some more football. And it was the perfect day, man. That was my, like you said, that was my cheat day. Now I'm back on the strict diet, hitting the gym every day. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice to get that one cheat day in there, Nick. Yes. It's great to get that one cheat day in there. And, you know, I, I don't say I stuff myself, but, uh, you know, I kind of spread it, spread out my meals throughout the day. And there were three football games on that day, Mario, you know how much of those games I actually had to see in real time. Probably almost none, right? Yeah. Almost none. At all, because, you know, my wife was fixing this uh, paleo, I guess, kind of casserole or something. It's mac and cheese. And you, had, she, you had paleo mac and cheese? Hey, look, man, I'm just... Hey, whatever, how is that even possible? Whatever uh, diet your wife is on, and you'll find this out because you're engaged, you will be on that same diet as well, whether you want to or not. So, what's, Nick, what's, what's funny about that, it's actually the opposite. Whatever diet I'm on... She's got to be on. Well, now I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> if you poll this across America, you will see you are sadly mistaken, my friend. So you might as well get yourself on that train right now because mama rules. But I had to go out to Whole Foods uh, to get some of these ingredients, man. And I'll tell you, it, it was it was packed. And I had to. So wait, you went to Whole Foods on Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, and, and the wifey didn't tell you, like, what to get before Thanksgiving, like the day before or the week before? You, you know, in, in her defense, she was planning a great kind of Thanksgiving slash birthday thing for me. So I just kind of looked at it that way. But I was like, oh, I'm in Whole Foods. The, the, the parking lot is packed. The store is packed. Football is on. And I'm in Whole Foods. 
Yeah, I, that that sounds like uh, that sounds terrible, Nick. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. Hopefully, the wifey doesn't put you through that next year. <laughs> Hopefully, she lets you enjoy Thanksgiving, enjoy your football, enjoy your birthday, and doesn't make you go to Whole Foods on Thanksgiving. That's crazy. You know what? That that was crazy. But you know the the dinner that uh, was prepared. I mean, I, I rather enjoyed that. So that uh, made made up for. But uh, hey, here's some breaking news. While, while we're talking here, Mike Riley, uh, formerly of the Oregon State uh, team, who spent fourteen years. Yes, fourteen years in Oregon State. That's a long time for anything, but now he and he had a winning on. record there too. Winning record. I mean, they just lost to uh, it's a rival Oregon uh, just last week, but maybe that was enough to prompt him to make the jump. But now he is now the new head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So maybe he can do something with that program and put them back into the national spotlight. Because I said here on the program before, secondary perspective here on Voice America Sports, that college football is great when you have teams like Florida State, Penn State, Michigan State, you know, University of Miami, and Alabama, not to mention USC and Nebraska, in those top top spots. I think it builds, uh, is great for uh, college football. Also, out in Colorado, where you are, you know, uh, CSU Rams head coach Jim McIrwin, uh, it was alleged that he McElwain. moved. Excuse me, Malcolm. I'm sorry. Uh, would move to the University of Florida, but now that too has been made uh, official. He's now the new head coach of the Florida Gators. He's 52 years young, had a 22 and 16 record and three seasons at CSU and 10 and two uh, this season. So I have to ask you, you know, do you feel as though that that this is the right pick? for the team. Well, here's the thing, Nick. When McIlwain, he left Alabama, let's remember, he left Alabama to get the head coaching job at CSU. When he took over, CSU was a terrible team, Nick. Uh, I mean, and I, I can't say a lot. My alma mater is CU, so we know a little bit something about uh, terrible college football. But when McIlwain went there, really the program was in shambles. They weren't able to recruit very well. But obviously, it's a little bit easier for a coach who came from the SEC, who came from a powerhouse like Alabama, to talk to these kids and say, hey, this is my resume. This is what I've done in my past. Come play for me at CSU. We're putting together, you know, a really good team. And that's what happened, Nick. This team went 10-2. and And really, you take away an early season loss to Boise State. Uh, and then recently, they just lost to the Air Force Academy because of some poor clock management. This is a team that realistically could have gone undefeated this year in McElwain's third season. So let's not overstate like what a great job he did. But this is the problem, or not the problem, but this is the path that coaches need to take. He wanted to be a head coach somewhere. So he's going to go to a school in the Mountain West Conference. Let's call it Colorado State. He's going to stay there for a couple of years. He's going to build up the program. They're going to be, you know, somewhat of a force to be reckoned with. But it's a pit stop, Nick. CSU was never the school that he was going to coach at permanently. And I think Rams fans knew that deep down. They just didn't really want to accept it. So now... Uh, the Florida job is vacated and you knew that he was going to either go there or to Nebraska, depending on who was willing to pay for that buyout. 
So they paid the buyout. CSU's not going to owe him any money. You know, I think CSU's going to get uh, $2 million for the next couple of years from Florida. And the rest is history. So honestly, it's hard for me to say that I want a rival school to do well in CSU. But they're like little brother to our CU. And they helped make Colorado football, in college at least, relevant again so it's a shame that McElwain has to go he's really built a great thing over there but everybody had to see this coming well you know he's not going to say his career in, in that particular way but there, there's been a lot of moves in college football as of late I mean after Thanksgiving there's Black Friday but then there's Black Money in, in the NFL I don't know what they call it Black Tuesday in college football but a lot of college football uh, coaches are now jumping ship whether someone else is paying out their contract and then they're opting to leave or they're being fired by the institution uh, themselves. Uh, also recently, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jim Harbaugh, whether he's going to be traded from the San Francisco 49ers or will he be fired? And if, if that's the case, what's the possible landing spot for Jim Harbaugh? You know, I guess as a Michigan man, I think the best place for him would be Michigan if you had to say. I know it was uh, there's some talk earlier this morning uh, that there is a coach that is currently hired by another team that Michigan is actually trying to go after. Uh, it, you know, Jim Harbaugh might be that guy. LSU head coach Les Miles might be that guy uh, as well. So we would have to wait and and see. But I think Jim Harbaugh would be great at Michigan. I mean, I think he would be great at, at Michigan, but we just have to wait and see uh, what what happens uh, with, with that. You know, Brady Hulk is is out after being there for uh, a couple of years, and this is a Michigan program that, like I said earlier, uh, a program that when they're mission in the top ten, the top five, college football is great, but he didn't seem to be the guy to kind of get him over the hump. You know, and Maybe it's recruited. And as a head coach, you have to be able to go into a kid's living room, look in his parents' face, and say, listen, I'm going to be here for four years. Your kid is going to get the best education he can get, first and foremost. And then second, he's going to have the opportunity to grow intellectually and from a, from a standpoint uh, as a man because me and my coaching staff, is going to, we're going to act as though we are the second father to your son. So maybe that was the issue. He, he could not get some of the top talent at Michigan to keep them to stay uh, at the school and totally led to uh, his, his demise. Uh, I mean, you can't lose to your rival Michigan State that often. Uh, we, we saw what happened a couple of times that they played uh, Notre Dame. That, cannot, that trend cannot uh, continue. Then we had the incident where, you know, a player's out there too long. He got injured. The fans are wondering, oh, why is he still out there? There's a lot of controversy between whether it, the AD, what he did, uh, Brady Hope, the medical staff. So there was a lot of things mixing here, uh, which, like I said, ultimately led to Brady Hope being ousted. But we will have to wait to see, well, who will take over that particular uh, position? So some great, some great things that are happening well, Nick, let me ask you that. Hoke yeah, is Hoke is out. There's been a lot of rumblings about possibly Jim Harbaugh for some reason packing up, leaving the NFL, and taking that Michigan Michigan job. If the price is right 
for Harbaugh. So let's say they give him whatever salary they want. Is it going to be enough to move him from the pros to college? Because obviously we know the 49ers have been in the mix for the Super Bowl, at least the last couple of years. They've had a chance to at least get there and possibly win it. Now it seems like they're a little bit on the downside. You know, they're on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs are concerned. Do you see Harbaugh going to Michigan? Yeah, I mean, that's hey, listen, that's what I was saying. Look, why, why not? If the San Francisco 49ers, especially after all you've done there, and, yeah, the, the, uh, there's always going to be problems. The players are going to complain and whine a little when a coach is pushing and driving them a little because he knows exactly what they can do. I mean, when you, a Super Bowl appearance, you're constantly in the playoffs. How could the San Francisco organization try to push him out? Whatever it is, the, the, the logistics, maybe contract, whatever it is, you get these things and you put them in order. You put uh, your differences aside because winning cures everything. They True. just have they have this new stadium in Santa Clara that I'm sure you know they have to pay for. It. They have to put butts in the seats. There's marketing, advertising, and the one thing that helps you with that is a winning program, winning organization. So to keep Jim Harbaugh there, that helps to allow him to go. Whether you trade him, whether you fire him, or you allow. Michigan or some other school to come and say we're going to buy him out of his contract to me I think that's a total disservice to Frank Gore, Colin Kaepernick and the other guys there at the San Francisco organization yeah I, I guess I could see that but that's the that's the nature of the beast though isn't it Nick I mean and it's the double standard that we see if a coach wants to up and leave for quote-unquote greener pastures then, you know, nobody really gives it a second thought. But anytime a player wants to do that, anytime they want to up and leave, then suddenly they're social enemy number one. I mean, you know, I, I'm a victim of that as well, Nick. Or I'm, a, uh, I'm guilty of that, I should say. Because that's how I felt when Carl- Carmelo Anthony left the Denver Nuggets. It was a matter of, oh, he doesn't want to be in Denver. He's a bad person. Why doesn't he like the Nuggets? Uh, but if a coach were to do exactly what Carmelo Anthony did, no one would really care. So... You just got to get over that double standard that exists uh, in sports. Well, later on in the program, we're going to have a two-time Super Bowl winning uh, champ, Byron Chamberlain, and alumnus of the Mizzou Tigers on the program to preview Mizzou, Alabama. And also, Oregon Duck George Withers is going to be on the program later. You know, Mario, college football is is very exciting. Uh, and if you ask some people, it's a little more exciting than NFL football. But normally you don't have programs just kind of disbanded. Now, I, I know Art Mardell took the Cleveland Browns almost seeming in the middle of the night and took them to Baltimore, and that caused a little bit of outrage for the Cleveland fans. But recently, UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, their program, no more. And and emotional, and you have to hear this, uh, just kind of Tristan Henderson, uh, senior tight end, former MP military police and served in Iraq, he had some very interesting things to say to the president of the institution once it was announced and the kids were brought into a meeting. You know, uh, t- take a look at, listen to this and, and, and tell me your thoughts. Because of the cell work that it looked like. Because of the cell work that it looked like. And you were all sleeping. 
And, and, and that's just a taste of it, but, but Mario, I have to ask you, you know, you went to, you know, Colorado, you played baseball. If someone walked in and they told you no more, no more baseball, you know, and you, you know, you were practicing chiropractor uh, as well. If you walked into your uh, working establishment and you were told that's it, it's done. How would you feel? Because to me, when I look at the position that these kids have been placed in, uh, it's kind of blindsided. They had no idea that this this was going to happen. And these kids on scholarship, now they have the right, the opportunity to go out and transfer to other uh, collegiate schools. But you know, just as well as I know, those schools already have guys that they're recruiting right now. They already have scholarships that have already given out and, and guys currently on, on their, on their roster. So how do these guys get into those institutions? And these kids are just left out there. I mean, Chime, what's your, what's your secondary perspective on this? I don't even know if I have a primary perspective on this. It's a shame that, you know, UAB shut down their football program. I thought that dude's reaction was a little over the top. It was a little much. I don't know how many people are coming from 3,000 miles away to play for the University of Alabama Birmingham football. And you know what, Nick? It's, again, it's just the nature of the beast. You can't keep the football uh, the football team over, and it goes under. So the kids who are really serious about football, they'll get a chance somewhere else if they're really good enough. Well, after the break, NFL players in the news. I don't want to call it a new drug, but a new PED seemed to be sweeping through the league, and yet another NFL player finds himself on the outs. We'll discuss that and more on the opposite side of this break. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Man, it's crazy. So, so here it is, Adderall. It seems to be the new performance-enhancing drug of professional sports. We remember the whole Balco and the in the cream situation, but it is Adderall. And basically, players are taking Adderall, exchanging Adderall, uh, because they feel as though it gives them focus. Adderall, for those who don't know, is a drug that's given to small kids or individuals who feel as though they have ADHD, but now it's kind of, like I said, become a professional, a performance-enhancing drug in the NFL. And the latest victim is Ravens defensive tackle Holy Nada. Uh, he will be suspended for four games. He will not return unless the Baltimore Ravens make the playoffs. And he took the blame himself and said that he made a mistake and it's all his fault. Mario, uh, we've seen, seen a growing trend uh, in, in the NFL and we watched some policy, drug policy uh, change this year. When, when you see something like this and, and a guy openly admits and he's using that he's using Adderall, I mean, what, what are you thinking about the player himself and the league's handling of this, this I would call it epidemic now? I mean, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly to make of this because here's the thing if you remember a couple of uh, couple of years ago Nick Brandon Marshall came out and said that he was taking Viagra before the game not to help him you know downstairs or anything but he said it helped him with his focus with his concentration helped get more blood to his lungs and through his heart so his heart was pumping more blood to his body he got tired slower so yeah, this came out and everyone was like, well, what in the world is he taking Viagra for? Keep in mind, Viagra was, you know, came to be because of the side effect. Well, the, the side effect is what it is known for now. But it was first Viagra. It was to get your blood pumping through the rest of your body, not just the one specific part that we all know it to do so. So what does that tell you, man? That tells you that players are always going to be looking for something to make them just a little bit better, something that might go under the radar that's is, is a moral gray area. You know, it's not illegal, but may, it might not be the best thing to do, but they can get away with it for the time being. So it's either that or he has ADHD. So if he has a hard time focusing and it affects his everyday life, then he needs Adderall to do that. But unfortunately, Adderall is something you can get in trouble for because it is a performance enhancer, you know, it helps your brain function on a higher level. But if you do have ADHD and he is uh, diagnosed with it, 
then you take Adderall, it doesn't have any sort of special effects. It's more calming on your body so that you're able to live your life. So if he has, if Haloti Nata has ADHD and has been diagnosed with it, then there's no problem with him taking Adderall. But if he doesn't, then it's been used as a performance enhancer. And as far as, you know, punishing these players for doing uh, certain drugs, sometimes it's it's hard to say, man. It, it, there, there's so much gray area. There's so many things where, oh, well, they're not illegal, but they should be. We don't really know what to do. And when in doubt, suspend them. Well, you know what? If he is being suspended for four games, what we already know from, from the situation is he wasn't diagnosed with ADHD. Because if that was the case, they would not suspend him for, for testing positive for Adderall. So now you have to ask yourself, what guy or where did he get Adderall or they're, from? Or they're, or, they're trying, or they're trying to send a message, Nick. That's the thing. Maybe he does have ADHD, but they don't care. They don't understand how it works. They want to squash this before yeah. it but, becomes but, an issue. Listen, the league has already made a mistake with the whole Ray Rice situation. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But there's no way Holy Nada was diagnosed with ADHD given Adderall to treat whatever disorder they're saying that he has and then test positive for it and you suspend him. That's grounds for a lawsuit. So I'm thinking, and I'm seeing this as, well, where did he get it from? Who's a, who, what guy in the locker room is he well, getting Nick, it from? Did he get me, it off the street? Let me ask you this, Nick. Do you think that, you know, in the front offices, they try to squash anything that might enhance a player's Performance, you know, they try to get rid of it, so it's a it's a level playing field, so to speak. Yeah, but but Mario, but it well, is well, wait, 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 real, real quick. Those gloves that Odell Beckham credited for having the catch of the century are those not in a way performance enhancers? No, not really, because you, did you see but it enhances your performance as a wide receiver. There's no way he makes that catch barehanded. But, but every player wears gloves. Even quarterbacks are wearing gloves now. So I'm not going to say that the glove is the performance enhancer. No, I, like I, I understand. I understand what you're saying there. But, you know, it just seems like that's the next step. Uh, honestly, I don't have a problem at all with Adderall. If you need Adderall to help you focus, I don't see it as a performance enhancer. And the reason that I brought that up, Nick, obviously, you know, that was kind of tongue in cheek. I understand that everybody has gloves. But those are going to help your performance more than Adderall ever would. I mean, I, I would agree, but one thing is whether I disagree with it or not. When, when the individual, when the individual is diagnosed, see that's the difference. If he is diagnosed with having ADHD, that's entirely different. But see, the problem is and, a lot of people don't identify it as something that is diagnosable. I mean. Uh, in the DSM-5, I think is the new DSM, or they might come out with the DSM-6, where it lists all of the psychological disorders. The reason that they have so many, I mean, they print one once every few years to update certain psychological d- disorders. And early on, ADHD was not recognized, and then it was, and then it wasn't. It's one of these things where, you know, it, it's it's ambiguous. No one really knows what to think of ADHD, whether it's an actual something that can be diagnosed or not. Uh, so maybe there's an issue with that, but you know, that'll just open up a whole nother can of worms that we don't have time to get into. No, no, we don't. We don't want to kind of open up that can of worms. All we're discussing right now, if it was the case that he was diagnosed and that was a prescription, then there's no way that you can suspend him for something he was already diagnosed with. 
But apparently, if you're suspended for four games for testing positive for this performing enhancing drug, it is evident that you would not prescribe this. So this is something that you took outside to help you focus. And how many times have we heard that? You know, you just mentioned, you know, Brandon Marshall saying that he took Viagra. Holy Nada with Adderall. And, you know, there were other players that are saying, listen, I smoked marijuana because it helped me focus. Wait a minute. That's not every player in the league. And to me, if you're having a problem focusing, those drugs are not going to help. That's just like saying, well, I have a problem focusing, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink a 12-pack of Budweiser. For what? But that's, that's, but that's the you're, thing. You're that not solving you, the problem. You're right. But if he doesn't have ADHD, then it's not going to help him, and it is a performance enhancer. But if he does have – if he's been diagnosed with ADHD and you're dealing with people who think that it is a real – uh, ailment, which I do, then you need Adderall to help you focus, to help you get through things. It's kind of like uh, somebody who intakes caffeine that also has ADHD. Caffeine is not going to uh, keep them awake. It's going to make them go to sleep because of the way that they are constructed internally. Uh, their body reacts differently to these sort of chemicals. Well, Mar- Mario, all I have to say is to me, when I played the game and the guys I played with, they did not use or have to use these type of things to get them up and get them ready. Because well, you, you played with guys games. like John Lynch and Champ Bailey that were the best of the best. And you were Nick Ferguson, so you didn't need any of that crap either. Well, you know what? Talk about best of the best. We have Byron Chamberlain, two-time Super Bowl winner, back to back, which is hard to do in the NFL. And and, and, and here it is. And I, I know that Byron was just kind of waiting for this particular game because here's what Byron – I got a little something. This is what Byron is probably thinking right now. Byron Chamberlain, thanks for joining Secondary Perspective, man. Listen, huge game this week, Alabama and Mizzou – Lace them up in the Georgia Dome for the SEC championship. This is a team that came from the Big 12 and made their presence known in the SEC. What would you contribute to attribute to uh, uh, Gary Pinkle's success in the SEC? You know, Nick, uh, knowing Gary very well, uh, You know, they just do a great job at the University of Missouri of developing their players. Um, You know, they don't get a lot of five-star guys. They don't get a lot of four-star recruits. They're they're mostly three-star guys. But they have a program which they call Mizzou Made, and it's, uh, you know, it just entails uh, everything from a a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint of just developing their players. And they do, the coaches there do a tremendous job of, of developing their, their, their players once they get them there on campus at the University of Missouri. And I, I got to uh, attribute that to, their, to, a, to a lot of their success. Now, Matty Mock, you know, great quarterback. I mean, he runs a 4-5-40. You know, you, you wouldn't be able to tell it just kind of looking at him standing next to him. But what is it that Matty Mock needs to do against this Alabama defense? Well, first of all, he's got to um, – Maddie's definitely got to take care of the football. Uh, you know, you're not going to beat the number one team in the country turning the ball over. Uh, 
So he's got to limit his turnovers, limit his mistakes, and execute that, their, their game plan flawlessly. And that's just to give themselves a chance to be in the game with Alabama. Alabama's a great team. I think they're favored by 14.5 points. So uh, that, mean, that means, you know, Maddie's got to play a flawless game. Uh, make some big plays, too, you know, with his, with his feet. You, you mentioned him being a 4-5 or five guy. He is a guy that can get out of the pocket. And some make make some huge plays. He came in uh, last year during the um, uh, the Cotton Bowl game against Oklahoma State and really sparked uh, that Missouri team with his ability to run the football out of out of the pocket. Well, you know what, uh, Mizzou boasted Michael Sam uh, last year. Uh, I guess SEC Defensive Player of the Year. But I mean, they just find a way to retool. I mean, you have Shane Ray and Marcus Golden. Uh, what? Are these two bookends going to need or really need to do to actually keep, you know, Blake Sims in the pocket and slow down the big explosive plays down the field that Alabama's head high head with Amari uh, uh, Cooper? Well, yeah, those guys, uh, Missouri has a, 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 you know, a good front line. And you look at those two are the headline guys, but you look at Harold Brantley in the middle. Uh, he he's just as good as any any of those guys as well. He just doesn't get the the, the amount of publicity those other two guys get. Uh, those guys have definitely um, got to, to. For me, they got to, their, their first order of business is stopping the run. And they they've got to stop the run and put Alabama in situations where they got to throw it. Now you say that, but then you got to deal with the best receiver in the nation, Amari Cooper. But uh, I think if you get them in past situations, that's where that Missouri D-line excels. They've done a great year, great job all year of getting pressure with, with only four guys. And if you watch them, they don't blitz a lot. They do, mm-hmm. they do mix it in every, every now and then, but they do, they're not a, a, a blitz-heavy team. They, they get pressure with those four guys up front. And if they can do that, maybe have a, a few extra guys in coverage uh, to, to try to handle Amari Cooper. That's a, but that's a tough task. Well, 1245 is a state of execution for uh, college football fans and some of the college football teams as the committee would make their final uh, selections. Now, Alabama's ranked number one currently. They beat Mississippi State to get that position. Mizzou Tigers, your team, they sit at number 16. So, Bama beat Mississippi State for that coveted spot. So, what happens if Mizzou shocks Bama at this particular point, I mean, do, now could we now say Mizzou is worth being the, the number one spot in the college football playoffs? You know what? Here's the thing, Nick. I, I think the committee definitely got it wrong. You know, I, I you know I look at other teams and you know what they've done and uh, and different losses they had, and everybody has had a slip up this year except for Florida State. But I think the committee put too much on Missouri on their loss to, to uh, Indiana. And right. they've, you know, the, when that happened and being dropped out, completely out of the polls, and Missouri has fought their way to 16. But, you know, the bottom line is, yeah, you lost at home to, to Indiana, but that's only one loss. And if you look at the totality of their season, uh, you know, besides that, besides the uh, Georgia game, I mean, you could, they've got one SEC loss. Uh, so, you know, I, I I really thought they dropped them down too far, far too far where they can they can come back from it. And now it's a scenario 
where if Missouri wins this game, if they pull the upset, it's a scenario where it's a scenario where possibly there could be zero SEC teams in this college football playoff because Missouri is not going to get in. That would be uh, Nick's dream back, come true, Byron. What's that? If, if there was no SEC team in the Final Four, that would be Nick Ferguson's dream come true. Yeah, I know it would. I know it would. <laughs> hey, real quick before. The thing, is, the thing is, you know, <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of SEC haters out there, or people that have SEC fatigue, let's say, um, that don't want to see the SEC in, in the college football playoffs, don't want to see them in the, in the championship game. But I'll tell you this, if Alabama gets in there, you can book them for the championship game. I don't want to see that. Hey, Byron, really quick before we get you out of here, we got two minutes left until break. Uh, as a tight end aficionado, obviously, you were able to block. You caught passes. You were the one of the first hybrid uh, tight ends in the NFL, right? Yeah, why not? So yeah. look at these guys that the Broncos got right now. Who is more important to this team? Because Julius Thomas has been hurt, but Virgil Green has been healthy. And I feel like he's been the difference in this running game because he is the blocking tight end. But he's not a guy that they're going to keep in. So they were putting Paul Kornick on the outside as like a sixth offensive lineman. But he's no threat to do anything offensively, obviously. But you put Virgil Green in there, who was a very skilled blocker, just having the threat of him catching passes. Honestly, I like we all know how great Julius Thomas is really quick. Who's more important to the success of this team? Julius Thomas or Virgil Green? <laughs> I remember Julius Thomas is a is a pro bowl tight end, man. He's having a uh, a tremendous season last year, he's having another one this year. But you know, um he uh, to me he's he's the key to to success. But I love what Virgil gives him and the thing about it if you watch the Broncos the last uh, couple of games They've been able to do some big things running the football. And to me, it makes them a more potent offense when you have that, that running threat. And Nick knows how we used to do it back in the day with, with all our stable running backs back there we, with Terrell and then uh, Alandis Gary and Mike Anderson and Clinton Portis. I mean, it just went on and on. It's Nick could have played running back for those teams and rushed so for 1,000 yards. Diversity, huh? Nick could have rushed for those teams and gotten 1,000 yards. Well, we had some great offensive line too, so <laughs> we, we had some guys who could really hold. <laughs> there, there it is, guys that can really hold. A guy who played tight end and had the block. Finally, I got someone on air to actually say that offensive linemen actually hold. Yeah, thank you, well, I, for you that. know what, and Nick. The thing about it was uh, Mark Sorrell, our guard number sixty-nine, who's on ESPN all the time. He's the one that told me, you know, you got to be able to hold and not get caught because everybody out there is holding. And these guys on defense, they pay them a lot of money for a reason. So you got to be able to learn. You got to learn how to hold and not get caught. Well, they say they say if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You're not We're trying. talking to exactly. uh, two-time Super Bowl winner Byron Chamberlain, who is going to be really ecstatic if his Mizzou Tigers can pull up the upset in the SEC championship game. Before we let you get out of here, Byron, uh, give me a little prediction. One, the Bills, Broncos game, and Alabama-Mizzou. Well, you know, the, this Broncos team, to me, I think they're on a mission. So uh, I don't see them slipping up. I don't see them slipping up anytime soon. I, I see they, they, got, um, they got what they needed out of uh, Green Bay, and that was to beat the Patriots for them. So um, I'm going to say Denver, Denver wins this one like – 
Woo! Yeah. I, I think they're they're just on a mission, man, to try to get that, that number one seed. All right, uh, but go out on a, and give me a bold prediction for Alabama-Mizzou. For Alabama-Mizzou. Oh, Wait, man. Come on that's, now. That's going to be hard. <laughs> I'll say this. If, if Mizzou can keep this, keep this game close, if they can get uh, win that turnover margin and um, and make some big plays in in the running game and having keep Amari Cooper and that uh, that that potent Alabama offense off the field, maybe twenty four twenty one Mizzou. Woo! That, that's my upset special if Mizzou pulls it off. Now, honestly, I think I, I really believe Alabama is the best team in college football. The most complete team in college football. I see Alabama winning this game, but I'm saying if Mizzou pulls the upset, it'll be a close one, uh, 24-21 type game. Well, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that because I, I've been rooting against uh, Bama for a while. Uh, I know some, some of my friends out there who are Bama fans, uh, they, they don't like that, but uh, I want to see another team, another conference uh, duking it out for this uh, national uh, title. Uh, that's Byron Chamberlain. Two-time Super Bowl winner and Mizzou Tiger changed the game as far as at the tight end position in the NFL. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Always, Thanks, always great to hear from former players, both collegiate and the NFL. After this short break, we will talk about something that's really serious. If you haven't been watching the news, well, we'll bring you up to speed. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. 
Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean, ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, ridiculous. You know, Mario, you know, normally we talk sports here. And I would like to say and think that our show's secondary perspective is more than just sports. And that's why I love doing this. And with that said, there's a pressing issue. and It's an epidemic. Let's just call it that. Let's just call it an epidemic. It seems on the surface that it's black and white as it's being portrayed in the media. But it's not black and white. It is a situation that involves all Americans, no matter your socioeconomic status, level of education, uh, race, creed, color, all of that just kind of mixed in. This is a social issue. And for me, I'm going to take my time to speak on my outrage about certain things that are happening in our society. And two things, uh, Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old kid in Cleveland, Ohio, playing with a replica gun, shot down in the streets. Then you have Eric Garner. The situation happened earlier this year, but the Staten Island, there was no indictment of the police officer or officers involved in this particular case where here was a man standing outside the store, a bodega, that's what they call the stores in New York, and he was selling single cigarettes in, in the urban neighborhood they're called Lucy's. So he's selling single cigarettes to whomever comes by and wants one. Then he's surrounded by cops, then they jump on him. Now, I don't know, if you, if you haven't seen the video, go on YouTube and see it. I put it on Twitter. I'll put it on there again. And you can go to Nick Ferguson underscore 25 to see the video. But it, it looked as though like it was a pack of lions jumping on the wildebeest. And this guy, six feet, almost 400 pounds, his face is being shoved into the concrete and he's being placed in a chokehold. And he's saying he cannot breathe. You had protesters, I think countrywide, uh, peaceful protests at that because it's an outrage that something like that continues to happen. And when I look at this, and I as you know a black man growing up in Miami, I had a situation where cops pulled me over, took me to this store, and took me back to the store owner and asked, is this the guy that robbed you? The guy said no. He said, look again, is this the guy that robbed you? Now, had that store owner who was confused by just being robbed, had he said or identified me as the culprit, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Even though you had nothing to do with it at all. I had nothing to do. They picked me up on a traffic violation, making what they say an illegal right turn, but took me back to the store, this area that I wasn't even in. And that would have been the end of Nick Ferguson. So for me, when I look at this, and excuse my tirade, but I have to do this. When we look at what racial profiling is, when we look at social injustice and what it is in this country, because it's not black people, 
It's a lot of Americans. And that's why I say, well, there's not like different laws for blacks and whites. I think it, there's different laws, it seems, for us as Americans and police officers. And, I'm not, and, and let me follow that by saying this. I'm not saying that every police officer is a bad police officer. There are some that hide behind their badges and hide behind laws. So I will let you go ahead and pick up from that point because to me it's a total outrage. Well, you know, obviously that's hard to follow. So I'm going to give you a couple uh, points really quick and just to allow the people to make their own determination on all of this. Number one, one of the big things that arose from this whole Ferguson situation was that cops need to wear cameras, you know, they, and, and it's not just to make sure that they're not abusing their power, but to make sure that the cops are protected as well. So, you know, having, making sure that the cops have cameras on them at all times, I, I think is a great idea simply because it protects the citizens as well as protecting the cops. It's fair. And that way you're seeing exactly what the cop is seeing from his perspective. Now, the only thing is with this Garner situation, there was a camera, Nick. We saw what happened. And I mean, it's a, it's a hard video to watch. It's not right. something that you can take lightly. You know, it, it tugs at you. It really does. And it is not an easy thing to see as a human being. Um, so I guess my question is, what good is having a camera if we're going to get something like this on it and nothing is going to be done to rectify the situation. And one last thing, Nick, you said that nobody was indicted. None of the police officers were indicted, correct? Correct. However, the individual that recorded that video was in fact indicted. And that's how you know something is wrong. How in the hell, excuse me, but how in the hell does that happen? where a young man who is seeing, actively seeing police officers abusing their power, abusing whatever it is, they are handling the situation incorrectly, and everybody's clamoring for cameras on cops to make sure that everybody's safe. Well, why? what's the difference between, you know, the cop having a camera and an innocent bystander having a camera recording the situation? And you're telling me that of all the stuff that went down, the individual that recorded it is being indicted? Give me a break. I mean, that, that tells you exactly where we are currently. And that tells me that their policies need to be changed. There needs to be more uh, training for cops. I mean, and when I say training, I mean ethical training. And I know and I have relatives in my family who are police officers, and they are afraid themselves. They don't know what's going to happen when they hit the street. They want to get back home to their families as well. And I respect that from any man, any American. But at the same time, there has to be a certain code of conduct, certain ethics handling that individuals, police officers have to adhere to when you're going out to the streets. And for me, when I saw the the video from uh, Eric Eric Garner's situation, you know, I was baffled. I'm just like, well, what kind of investigation do we need? We're seeing what's happening and unfolding right before our eyes. So, this group of individuals in Staten Island, what did they not see? What did they want to see? Because he didn't seem like he was being aggressive, yet he was a rather large man. But from what I saw, he wasn't attacking anyone. To me, they get police negotiators 
to talk individuals down from hostage situations. Hey, at, at worst, go call the you know police negotiator. See if you can talk to him. But to me, to have something take place like that, you know, in public, on the street, so many eyes watching, video cameras, we live in the era of social media. So there's nothing that any of us can do that someone with a cell phone can't capture. So I, I don't know how they missed this. And it is, I mean, it's an outrage to see something like this uh, happening. But I still will say this. Not every police officer, whether it's in the state of New York or where you live now, you listen to this program, Voice American Sports, Nick's Secondary Perspective, that every cop is a bad cop. One apple doesn't ruin the whole bunch. But I still think that there needs to be, you know, a meeting of the mind. And saying, okay, well, here's what our protocol has been thus far as far as handling situations like this. What do we need to do to change that protocol? How can we build a relationship between the public and the police officers? Because if they don't, this thing could potentially get out of hand. And I can tell you growing up in Miami and seeing what I've seen, there, I mean, there wasn't high affinity for police officers. And the more something like this happens, it's going to continue. But it needs to stop. And we, we all have a voice. We can go out to our government officials. We can vote and we can change these laws. We have power, people. If you don't like something that's going on, you can change it. And just remember, this, is, this isn't a black and white issue. It is not. It is a we issue. And only we can stop that. But, but I, I felt that, you know, I needed to say that we needed to address that on this program. And, and hopefully we can spark educational dialogue about situations like this so we can prevent things like this from uh, happening uh, in, in the future. And uh, on, on a lighter note, uh, we have Byron Chamberlain talking about Mizzou and Alabama and there is a bevy of games slated for this weekend in college football. Uh, Mario, really quickly, we have Florida State and Georgia Tech, my school, uh, facing off an ACC uh, championship, a game that definitely will affect uh, the outcome of college football and how they lay out the top four teams really quickly. Uh, give me your predictions, Florida State, Georgia Tech. You know what? And I wanted to know who you would be rooting for, Nick, because I know you want the ACC to be represented. But obviously, if Florida State loses this game to your alma mater, they're out of the playoff talk. Honestly, I think that Georgia Tech is a better team than Florida State. They've been playing better football of late. And this is kind of a lose-lose for you, Nick, because it's like you don't want to root against your alma mater, but you want to see the ACC represented but Georgia Tech is going to win this game. Also, give me Oregon over Arizona. Give me Wisconsin over Ohio State. And give me Alabama over Mizzou, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it is. I will be watching, as though I know you will and everyone else in America, as we wait 1245 Sunday to see what teams get into the college uh, playoffs. I want to thank my guest, Byron Chamberlain, for joining the program. Also, as always, my guys in Phoenix, Arizona, for keeping the program running smoothly. And Mario Batanzi at Mile High Mario. And I am Nick Ferguson at Nick Ferguson underscore 
25, you want to continue the conversation, hit us up on Twitter. We're always available. And just remember, peace, love, and happiness out there in the streets, wherever you are. This is Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. We'll be here next week. And we're out. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 